0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating, all things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. My guest today is an award-winning fine art photographer. She's originally from my hometown, but now calls Paris home, just like me. I really enjoyed chatting with her today about photography, competitions, and how Paris attracts creative people. Here's my interview with Meredith Mullins. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you want more bonus material and to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash la vie creative. And also don't forget to check out Amazon where you can pick up my new book, Paris, a life less ordinary in the book. I talk about my creative adventures in Paris from starting my business to being homeless. Hello, starving artist <laughs> to how I met all these wonderful creative people. Don't forget to check it out on Amazon. And also, thank you so much once more for listening and for your support. Enjoy the show. So welcome to the show, Meredith. I'm so happy to have you here because you are a hometown native. Us Marylanders have to stick together. I haven't met very many people from Maryland and Paris. You know, we're kind of a forgotten
1: state, but I think we who live there know how beautiful it is and appreciate, particularly appreciate rivers and bays and all things water.
0: Yes, waterways, exactly. Whenever I tell people I'm from Maryland, they're like, what is that? You know, Especially <laughs> Europeans, they have no idea. <laughs> like Washington, DC. That's, that's the go-to now. And I want to talk a little bit about your photography today. You are a wonderful award-winning photographer and I love your work. And I want to talk about your journey into photography. How did you get your start and talk a little bit, obviously we know you're from Maryland, but what led you to Paris? Great. Well, thank
1: you for the compliments. I uh, I think I was always destined to be a photographer. I got a camera when I was six or seven years old. I just felt very natural with it from the start. It fit in my hand. It fit in my eyes. It fit, uh, it fit in my heart. Uh, I didn't have any formal training I just did it I mean I was 6 years old I was I was a child the freedom of being a child and that gave me free form to be creative I really loved that particular time of my life same reason I love teaching children they they work from instinct and that's how all creativity should should work. I didn't really study photography until I got to college. We didn't have it at our high school. Uh, And and in college, it was taught, this was at the University of North Carolina, it was taught in the physics department. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I still, I mean, photography is the study of light, the science of light, but really the physics department. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, I
0: feel like that's a little bit of a stretch.
1: <laughs> I, saved, I saved that book for all the students that I would teach in the future because the book had lots of formulas, lots of light refraction, uh, physics, physics uh, information it did not have a single fine art photograph in it (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny and I think I, I feel very lucky that I emerged with my passion intact that they didn't just Beat, destroy beat, it beat it out of me at that time <laughs> but I did emerge with the passion intact and I really haven't been without a camera since that time it's it's a part of my soul really.
0: That's wild and I guess your parents were supportive if they put a camera in your hand at six years old
1: they did they were they were i have to give my parents great credit they were supportive of everything and they were particularly supportive of freedom and that's that's been an underlying theme in my life mm-hmm. that people should be free to do what they want to do Within reason, of course.
0: Yeah, of course. Don't hurt anybody. <laughs> <more>. <laughs>
1: and, my, and my parents were very supportive of that and, and of the creative process.
0: You mentioned that you that kids are kind of instinctively creative. Why do you think we kind of lose that as we age, I guess, because we have to start thinking about a lot more things to take care of ourselves?
1: Well, I hope we don't ever lose it. In fact, I as I explore the wonderful world of Paris, I feel like a child. I feel like I'm seeing things for the first time. I feel like I'm trying to figure things out, you know, as an early settler in the world. I know that when we study things and when you learn the rules of photography, like the rule of thirds, which I always refer to in my classes as the guideline of thirds. In other uh-huh. words, in other words, you can use it or not use it. It's yeah, up, it's up to you. This idea of continuing to be a child in in anything that we pursue, and that means not judging yourself, being free to do what what comes to mind. I think that's something we should try to hold on to.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's, uh, I'm, I feel the same way about kids. They're just, they're just doing what they want. They kind of seem like many little drunk people, you know, except they don't have to be drunk, <laughs> They just like live their lives. <laughs> no well, parameters. Right. Well, I do. I learned
1: so much from teaching children. I teach adults and children in photography, but I learned so much from teaching children because without any kind of guidance, they will plop themselves down at street level. They will follow insects along the road. They will climb on things. They will change their perspective all the time. And that's what we should all be doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's things we teach the adults Mm -hmm. and uh, kids are just knowingly doing these things. And I'm curious, do you prefer shooting people or landscapes? Well, I have an interesting
1: heritage, I guess, because after growing up in our wonderful Maryland, I moved to California and chose the Monterey Peninsula, which is known for being a landscape, seascape haven. Ansel Adams, Brett Weston, uh, Win Bullock, many famous photographers live there because it's so physically beautiful. People became appreciators of nature and the earth. And they photographed it. I think I was one of the few photographers on the Monterey Peninsula who was not a landscape seascape <laughs> photographer. And yes, I very much prefer people. I am I call myself a street photographer because the stories that unfold on the street are so interesting and humanity is so interesting. And I think people like looking at pictures of themselves. They see themselves in photographs of people.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you keep your photography honest? How do you get the real sense of a person while you're photographing them? Because I know so many people, they freeze up, you know, when you take their picture, they change. So how do you keep that honest? I
1: think it depends on exactly what your what your vision is. As a true street photographer, you want to capture unstaged moments in the street. And that means being aware of the stories unfolding, anticipating the decisive moment and capturing it. And sometimes that means not interacting with the people before you capture that moment. One thing ethically I believe in is that after you capture that moment, if it's possible, you go to the people and say, I just captured a great moment. Uh, Let me send you this photo and complete that circle from a a human to human level.
0: And do you ever have people say like, no way, lady, (laughs) give me that photo back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think
1: I've been very lucky in that regard. There's something about my smile or my California friendliness, or your something, energy, something that allows me to get away with that. Uh, but, <laughs> but I have—I've traveled the world, and I've made photographs throughout the world, and I have been in countries where you have to work a lot harder to make the connection and to get people to trust you. And it just means it takes more time to build the relationships.
0: Yeah, where would be one of those countries you think was like one of the hardest? I would say France is one of the hardest because <laughs> you, you, you're you not even allowed to take those photos without permission. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and
1: France rightfully is protective of its children. There are very really yes. strict laws about photographing children. But I spent time in Senegal and the Senegalese were very protective. They're a very proud people, very beautiful people, and they don't want to be taken advantage of, and mm-hmm. especially because in their history that happened. And so that means they don't trust. They don't trust a, a Caucasian person, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're different from them, and they do not trust that. However, my time in Senegal, after building relationships, has provided some of my favorite photos of all time.
0: Because you built up that trust, which took a little time.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And where's been your most favorite place to travel to Yeah, Like you said, you've been all over the world. I know you spent some time in India as well. Where really sticks out in your mind besides Senegal?
1: I'd say the opposite of Senegal in terms of people being generous with their their spirit mm-hmm. would be India. Uh, the people in India, for whatever reason, were very were very accepting of being photographed. And in fact, when you travel with the with a group of people who look different from the culture you're traveling in, often you become the subject of their photographs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's an exchange. You were the model. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I just got back from um, in February, I just got back from a trip to Cambodia, Laos and Myanmar. Oh wow. All three countries were amazing. I have to say we we went, we knew we were being more adventurous than perhaps we should have been because <laughs> the coronavirus had been exposed, but we certainly didn't know then what we know now. And I think we're all lucky to be home and healthy and have wonderful memories. The memories were particularly special because there were very few tourists in these places. The Chinese borders had been closed, so there were no Chinese tourists. And we really had places like Angkor almost completely to ourselves. That will never happen again, but it mm-hmm. was, was really very special.
0: I can't wait to see those photographs. Yeah, <laughs> Just empty places. You mentioned uh, nature and California nature in the beginning of our talk. And I'm curious, how do you feel nature influences creativity? I think
1: nature, as well as just about any kind of external stimuli, is important to make us better people. We have to balance the energy of Paris life with being out in nature and cleansing the soul and that sort of thing. So I think it's really important to to take as much of those things into your life as you can. I'm I'm a particular fan of the arts as an influence. I, I go to music concerts all the time because mm-hmm. I find music to be as soothing as nature, as much of a spiritual influence as nature is. And to bring that into one's life, I feel is very important, no matter what your path for creativity.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And I I hear a lot of my speakers and guests talk about like overlapping mediums you know like they listen to music or they learn about science to make paintings you know so I think all these things connect on many levels and I'm curious how do you keep your creativity fresh are you asking that in terms of being confined for two months (laughs) <laughs> Let's just take out the confinement and go back to normal life and if we were free to do whatever we wanted how do you do it?
1: <laughs> right. Uh, well, I think part of it is is embracing other people's artistic path, you know, going mm-hmm. going to concerts, going to theater, going to dance, just taking in all of those influences. I'd have to say that when I was younger, I had sort of a moratorium on looking at other people's work. And I felt that I did not want to be influenced by anyone. I was kind of stubborn as a, as a young person, very much a rebel. I said, I don't want to be influenced by anybody else. I want this to come from the depths of my soul. And and please, just just shutter the world from me. And, oh, wow. And I, I did that for many years and you know, kind of got to the depth of my soul and realized... <laughs> realized that, oh yeah, there's a wonderful world out there and having that influence is not at all a bad thing. It's an, it's an inspiration.
0: So you found like, okay, I'm done messing with my soul. I guess I'll get <laughs> yes. some other help around here.
1: Well, yes. It, I, I think I became more confident that my voice, that my heart and soul would would be present even if I had been inspired by other people.
0: Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable because we are us. Yes. <laughs> Exactly, And that actually ties in well to my next question. Do you believe that when we create it is our soul speaking uh, purely that we need it just to come direct from our soul? Or do you think it comes from a focused mind? I think it's it's all
1: those things. Eyes, mind, heart, soul, they're they're all combined to create whatever it is we want to share with the world or not share with the world. We don't we don't have to share our creativity.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about that because some of the artists I've interviewed, they said it's not creation or art until it's shared, until someone else sees it. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I don't believe that. I think mm-hmm. cre- creativity is very much a personal thing. And if you're a hermit on a mountaintop, painting for yourself, that's just as creative as someone who wants to share with the world. Mm -hmm. I think the potential problem is if you get too involved in sharing with the world, too involved in trying to meet the world's expectations, you lose sight of your heart, mind, and soul. And I think the marketing of art is a primary example of that, the people who create art for a market rather than for themselves.
0: Yeah, that can definitely be a danger, I think, especially in big cities with these um, galleries and things like that. You get wrapped up in maybe more of the celebrity of it than doing it. Exactly. Um, I'm curious, have you ever felt enlightened by an event in the past that's kind of given you a new perspective in life?
1: Well, (laughs) That's a deep one. <laughs> I, would, I would, hope my answer would be yes.
0: Let me. Never. <laughs> everything's so boring. <laughs> let,
1: let let me let me think for a moment. Actually, I d- I do find enlightenment in travel, in experiencing other cultures, and it's certainly part of the reason I ended up in France. But it's also the reason that I appreciate particularly third-world cultures. I think back to India as well, and even to the recent people I met in in Myanmar, Laos, and Cambodia. These people are struggling. These people are definitely thinking about where their food is coming from as opposed to more uh, enlightened thoughts. And yet they are totally enlightened. They seem, they are kind. They seem patient. They seem accepting of their place in life. And I feel like we can learn so much from them about Mm -hmm. our own lives.
0: Yeah. With someone, for someone with so little to be still grateful and carrying on and, you know, and
1: generous and generous with whatever they have, that always impresses me
0: hmm That's probably one of the biggest surprises from traveling that you've experienced. Yes. And speaking of all your travels, you have the part-time in France as well, on the, the beautiful island in the middle of Paris. I love that area, <laughs> in Saint-Louis. And uh, I'm curious, how has France uh, influenced your work? Like I was destined to be a photographer, I
1: think I was always destined to end up in France. In fact, this this may be too long for your broadcast. But I was just going through some old correspondence, and at a certain point in my life, probably when I was in my thirties, an automatic handwriter wrote my life out from some from some greater force. She what? Kept- she kept writing and writing and went through my past lives, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my past lives was a boy who died in France in 1936, which is quite recent in terms of, you know, past being, lives. You know, yeah. Past lives. <laughs> and he was born in, she said he was born in Allais, France. And so I looked up Allais, France, and I couldn't find it. And when I was rereading it years and years later. I said, "Oh, it said LA, A L L E Z. LA France, go to France." <laughs> and, and my heart stopped. I said, "Really?" Go to France, and I have. You did it. (laughs) It it was it was really amazing to me.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. I want to get the history writing past lives lady involved. Where we gotta go? Myanmar, Cambodia, (laughs) Right. Right. right? Exactly. That's fascinating. Well, you did it. I mean, it was written in your your history. That's very cool. And I'm I'm also curious how has rejection ever affected your creative process? I know you've been at this for quite some time now, but Obviously, we're a little more delicate in the beginning. Has that ever affected your creative process being rejected?
1: I think back to some of my photography teachers who were quite brutal, possibly for good reasons. And I think, well, they could have been a little less brutal. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes we're quite brutal on ourselves, we reject ourselves. And I try to get into the habit of not rejecting myself until I've been able to evolve whatever series or thought or path that I've was setting out on. And I think that's important for anyone, this idea of critiquing ourselves before we before we even set foot on the path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a problem for a lot of people with a lot of things in their life that you know that we stop ourselves. We are our own greatest hurdle in a lot of ways for no good reason. So carry on. But I do um I
1: think if if you receive, and, and I have to say, I've, I can't remember ever receiving a bad review for one of my exhibits. I'm sure people liked it and some people didn't like it. But I think it's important that even if one were to get a bad review, it's just one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like entering competitions. And if you don't win a competition, you shouldn't get depressed because it was just one jury's impression of your work. You yeah. need- need to stay true to yourself and keep moving in the directions that make you feel good about your work.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. What's the best advice that you've been given? I think it's just that,
1: staying mm-hmm. staying true to yourself, maybe pushing yourself a little farther than you thought you could. I often tell my students that uh, even if, you, if you're out shooting and you think you've got the shot stay out for another half an hour and you may get the even better the shot <laughs>
0: <laughs> just keep going <laughs> keep going I think that's great advice for photographers. You know, we we're kind of waiting for things to happen and (laughs) we become a little impatient sometimes, especially the street art, as you talk about. And uh, can you talk a little bit about who's influenced your work the most or some of your creative resources that's helped you along your, your journey?
1: I would be remiss living in France as a photographer to not mention the humanist photographers, Doineau, Ronis, and Cartier-Bresson, and Brisset, who wasn't French, but who was one of the humanist photographers, all of them working as street photographers in the 1900s were great influences to me. They wandered, which is what I do a lot of the time. They got to know the subjects in their photographs, and they opened up all their senses. In other words, they were ready to capture that decisive moment, which was Cartier-Bresson's uh, main main theme in his work. They were ready. They really saw things.
0: Yeah, that's always the most surprising thing for me. Is you know, we can have five photographers in the same exact place, and everyone gets a different picture. <laughs> like, how does that work?
1: It's exactly true. And, and even traveling with a small group to Myanmar, Laos and Cambodia, we all had different pictures. And in some cases, I said, ha, wait, where was that? I missed
0: that. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, yeah, I, I didn't know. even see that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I really kind of love about photography is obviously, it brings people together and you connect with nature and other people. But We can see things so differently. It really brings other people's points of view to your eyes because we're all in the same place, but we're not seeing the same things. Exactly. It is the unique perspective that that makes us all different. And I'm curious, do you have advice for other creatives who, you know, they might not even be creative yet. They're trying to figure out what they like to do, what they can even do, and maybe think they don't have a creative bone in their body. What would you say to those people?
1: I would say... Everyone is creative. You just have to search for the path of expression that that best suits you. And I know a lot of people are way too hard on themselves or don't give themselves time to explore or the freedom to to really think about what it is they want to say to the world.
0: Be patient. I think that's great advice. I think a lot of us need to work on that, myself included. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and uh, what are you most excited about for your future work?
1: <laughs> you mean getting out of, besides, yes. besides getting, getting out, of, out of the house? <laughs> right. Actually, I have a, a couple of exhibits uh, planned for next year, one in California and one in Paris. And and when you have a date so far in the future, you think, oh, I have plenty of time. But it's it's really a time to think about how you want your work to evolve, to present at that certain time. And I've been thinking about a sequel to my first book, which was In a Paris Moment, which was written before I moved to Paris. And when I thought that I knew everything there was to know about Paris <laughs> as, a, as a visitor. Yeah. And now that I've lived here 15 years, I know I was really full of it. I didn't, <laughs> didn't. <laughs> Didn't didn't know much at all and had not really gotten to those very deep layers which reveal the the real heart of Paris. So I think it's almost time for a sequel to that that book. And it will be interesting to see how I know Paris has changed for me.
0: Do you have an idea for the title?
1: Something like... deja vu in a Paris moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think, I think that's so true. We get there as visitors and we're like, oh yeah, we got this. Let's move here. And then we're like, oh wow. This <laughs> is Big difference. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm excited for that book. And also, like you said, you teach. So if you're ever in Paris and you want a teacher, Meredith is wonderful. And I oh. can't wait to see your future exhibitions. So many exciting things about besides just stepping out of our doorsteps. And where can people find you online? Um
1: it's it's not easy to find me online. Probably the best thing to do is to Google my name, Meredith yes. Meredith Mullins. My um, website is through the website Artsband, which is a multi, multimedia collective of artists. So, MeredithMullins.Artsband.com. And I have a public Facebook page, and I have about 10 photos on Instagram, so don't even bother
0: going there. Says <laughs> <laughs> the photographer. I don't see. even look at the Instagram. <laughs> That's because you're on TikTok, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of course. I'm still trying to figure that one out too. Uh, thanks so much for talking to me today, Meredith. Oh, thanks, Crystal. Great, great to see, not see you, but hear from you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to Love V Creative. You can find more information on MissParisPhoto.com. And if you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word for all my creative guests. We have the power to help them to keep doing what they love. See you next time.